This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Welcome to Where Did You Get This Number? I am Anthony Salvanto. Now, last week, news broke that the Democrats in Congress were starting an impeachment inquiry into President Trump. Scott Pelley, 60 Minutes, sat down with Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi and Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. I always said we will follow the facts where they take us. And when we see them, we will be ready and we are ready. Why would we move forward with impeachment? There's not something that you have to defend here. We pollsters knew that, at least as a benchmark, people would want to know where public opinion stood on this. So let me start with your top line, a rundown where America stands on the key issues. In this case, impeachment. The first thing everybody should emphasize is the distinction between views on the inquiry and views on whether the president's actions ultimately deserve impeachment. They are separate components, and good polls are going to gauge them both. Now, as we speak, more than half of Americans and an overwhelming number of Democrats say they approve of Congress opening that impeachment inquiry into the president. But there is no national consensus on how to assess the president's actions. That is more divided. Just over 40 percent saying that they do deserve impeachment, just over a third saying no, they don't, and a sizable quarter saying it's too soon to say. Now, the second key part of public opinion to watch on this is how people describe what they learn about what went on. And it's a reminder that not everybody enters this with the same context. Look, when we ask people whether they thought the president's actions were proper from what they've heard or read so far, we learn that just over a quarter, including most Republicans, said the president did act properly, Just under a third of Americans said the president's handling of matters with Ukraine may have been improper, but were nonetheless still legal. And another four in 10, including most Democrats, feel that he acted illegally. Now, those sentiments could be leading indicators for whether overall opinion on both the inquiry and ultimately whether or not it warrants impeachment ever move. I will be back in a moment with reports from Capitol Hill and the White House on the latest there. Delighted to bring in Bill Rakoff, CBS radio correspondent down there in D.C. at the center of all the action right now. Bill, how are you? Good, Anthony. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks. Let me start right off. Going forward over the next few weeks, who hears from whom? What shape do these hearings take? And what is it that the Democrats are going to try to accomplish 
going forward. You're going to see the committees that have been investigating continue their investigations. But I think what you'll see, Anthony, is you're going to see the Intelligence Committee now take the forefront because of this whistleblower complaint. I think you're going to see Adam Schiff call a number of experts relating to Ukraine. And uh, you might also see Yovanovitch, the uh, ambassador to Ukraine. But piece by piece, you're going to see intelligence try to start to put together pieces of evidence and pieces of information that they need that will back up the whistleblower complaint so that at the end of it all, and they want it to be sooner than later, that they can have something formal that they can draw up into recommendation for articles of impeachment against the president, which they they would then turn over to the Judiciary Committee for them to act on. Bill, when you mention Ukraine, it might be helpful for you to take our listeners through the sort of top line of all of this, which is what exactly did Congress approve when they approved aid to Ukraine? And what's the genesis of all this? Where did it start? Yeah, it it was military aid that was applied for, as you recall, Russian forces were uh, making feints at the border of Ukraine and in some cases causing skirmishes. This was at a time when Russia had already annexed Crimea, And uh, there were a lot of concerns about uh, Russian expansion, particularly into Ukraine. There were fights, and the United States at the time under the Obama administration wanted to draw that line. And so they began to reinforce and help out Ukraine with military hardware. Flash forward to the Trump administration when he took office. You know, the Ukrainian uh, president at the time was saying that they still wanted military aid Enter the new president, Zelensky, uh, who in his first conversation with the president, and he alluded to as much at the U.N. last week, said that, look, we were still interested in buying military hardware to bolster up our presence and uh, to try to keep you know, Russia in check, if you will. They would not come across the border, or at least uh, you know, they would recognize that Ukraine wasn't going to take it sitting down. This is when the president started in, if you believe the whistleblower complaint, to say, this is all good. We want to give you that stuff. But... We want a favor in return. And again, paraphrasing here, this is not exact language, but but in essence, hinting that the president wanted Ukraine to investigate the potential links between a corrupt former prosecutor and the Biden family over uh, Biden Jr., Hunter Biden, was doing business with. Uh, And there wasn't any indication necessarily of wrongdoing. In fact, people had looked at it before and they didn't see anything that rose to the level of misconduct. Um, So I'm going a long way around to say that, uh, you know, this is what all led up to the point where the president uh, talked to President Zelensky of Ukraine not long ago. And that's what uh, so concerned the whistleblower that uh, he launched uh, that formal complaint, the unprecedented one, I might add. So back around to the impeachment inquiry then, Bill, let me ask you, from what you're hearing from Democrats on the Hill, it appears that there aren't any fractures or aren't any, isn't anyone dissenting from the idea of holding the impeachment inquiry. And the polling shows that moderate Democrats in the rank and file, liberal Democrats in the rank and file are all largely in support of this. But is there any behind the scenes reservations that the party maybe ought not be doing this? Are there any Democratic members who are worried about the implications? 
I think there are Democrats who are worried about the implications, particularly those who have been around for quite a while uh, and recall the 1998 impeachment of Bill Clinton. Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, one among them, she's been trying to slow walk this for a while. And I think all the while understanding that there wasn't just a hunger to go after this, but there might be evidence that would require an impeachment inquiry. And so what she's been saying is, let's investigate, then we'll decide if we've got enough evidence to do it. Well, last week you saw that uh, there was an overwhelming number of Democrats past the majority that would be needed to improve or approve an inquiry or even improve articles of impeachment who said we want to see this. And so it sort of forced the Speaker of the House into a position to say, yes, all right, we're going to go ahead and form this impeachment inquiry, but we want to, again, make sure the investigations are done sooner than later. Here's the thing for some Democrats. They have that memory of Republicans going after Bill Clinton in 1998. They also have a big memory of how Republicans took it on the chin in the following elections. And uh, Democrats made some big gains there. Nancy Pelosi and other Democratic leaders say, we'll, we will do this if we have to do this. And increasingly, Anthony, it looks like Democrats are going to have to walk down this road with impeachment. And Nancy Pelosi has said repeatedly that she wants her party to wa- run and win in 2020 on legislative achievement, not running against President Trump. Well, that brings up another uh point that came out of the polling bill, which was that a majority of Americans thought that this impeachment inquiry, whether or not they supported it, would distract from Congress legislating. And we know that they've been concerned about issues like jobs in the economy, certainly like health care. Are there any specific pieces of legislation that you've seen which are now going to end up on the back burner or any potential deals that were out there which have now been scuttled because this has started? Well, I think first and foremost, you have to look at the budget and spending plans. Uh, this past week, Congress passed a measure and the president signed into law another resolution that kicks the can down the road to, I believe it's November 21st, uh, at which time they're going to have to come back and try to keep the government funded. First and foremost, you've got that all done. Democrats say, look, we've addressed nearly everything else uh, of significance. We've sent bills on guns, immigration, education uh, over to the Senate, only to have Mitch McConnell sit on that legislation and not move on it on the floor. And that's why he took great pains to say when he was asked about impeachment, if he could do the same thing, he says, no, I can't. By law, I have to bring that up unless you've got 72 senators who will vote that down and there's no way he's going to get that. So Democrats say we've moved stuff. I think what you would want to what runs the danger besides spending and maybe getting held up is the immigration crisis, any further uh, action that you might see on that. But Democrats are insistent from Speaker Pelosi on down. They say we can walk and we can chew gum at the same time. We can legislate and we can investigate at the same time. Time will tell whether or not that statement is true. And Bill, have you talked to any or heard from any who might be wavering? Republicans obviously have been largely in step behind the president backing him on this. Is there anybody that sounds like they're shaky? There is nobody publicly who is shaky. Um, our sources, our colleagues here at CBS and from other sources around have been saying that uh, they talk to members privately who say they are concerned about this and they are concerned that this is going to become too hot to handle, too big to handle. And they wonder what, how it's going to affect them in their reelection chances. Uh, just as, as a general reminder, everybody in the House of Representatives is up for reelection in 2020 every six years for the Senate. So some senators will be up, but it goes staggered, you know, in terms of uh, their 
their public stance. They say, look, that doesn't rise to an impeachable offense. They do think it's a waste of time. There are, you know, those uh, who are who absolutely die hard. I mean, you've got the Jim Jordans of the House, the Lindsey Grahams of the Senate, who, uh, in fact, say that, you know, Democrats are going to do everything they possibly can to try to end this Trump presidency by means other than the ballot box, because they say that's the only chance they have because they feel very confident that Donald Trump can win again in 2020. Well, and in the public polling anyway, Republicans by and large are behind the president, not just behind him, but they tell us that they think that the things like in the phone call were typical behavior for most past presidents. And uh, even if, if not proper, then even if improper, then still legal. So certainly they've got the base behind them uh, to sort of back up what they're what you're reporting there. Bill Rakoff, CBS News Radio down there in D.C. with the with the latest for us. Bill, thank you so much. Hey, a pleasure, man. Thank you. I am grateful to be joined by a very busy man down there in D.C., <laughs> Stephen Portnoy, CBS News White House correspondent. Stephen, how, how are you holding up? I appreciate it, Anthony. It's really good to be with you. We're uh, hanging in there. That's cool. Listen, Stephen, you know, can you tell us from a top-level view, for somebody who tuned in late last week, early this, and their head is spinning because there's so many names and so many movements going on around this, exactly what is it that happened and what is it that makes the national security experts and the Democrats so both perplexed and upset about what's gone on? Well, the concern that Democrats are expressing centers around the idea that the president has used the vast powers of his office to extract favors from foreign leaders to do his personal political bidding. And in particular, this concern centers around this notion that he held out hundreds of millions of dollars in aid to Ukraine because he wanted that country's new president to initiate a new investigation into Joe Biden and his son, Hunter, over whether the former vice president wrongly pushed for the firing of a Ukrainian prosecutor to benefit the gas company that had been employing his son and paying Hunter Biden $50,000 a month. Now, this is a charge that the Biden camp fiercely denies, but it's one that the president's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, has been advancing for months and it has now spilled out into an enormous controversy, really a crisis for this presidency. Can you explain very briefly who else is said to have been involved in this and what the issues are? Well, we learned two things on the last day of September. Uh, one was that uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo was on this call that the president had with Vladimir Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, on July 25th. And that, at the least, makes him a witness. And Democrats were saying, as the calendar turned into early October, that they might be interested in hearing directly from the Secretary of State about the call. The second thing we've learned is that Ukraine is apparently just a part of what could be a bigger picture here, uh, that the call in late July with Zelensky was just one example of President Trump reaching out to foreign leaders. And why? Well, to urge cooperation with his attorney general, Bill Barr, on the investigations that the president wants pursued into the probe of the origins of the Russia investigation that began in the summer of 2016 
and continued on into the first two years of his presidency overshadowing it. The president has been saying that there was corruption on the other side, and he appears to be employing the most senior officials in his government to to dig it up and root it out. Uh, The attorney general was invoked by Mr. Trump in his conversation with Volodymyr Zelensky. Barr's aides told us that Barr was upset by that, but they also told us that Barr asked the president to get on the phone with another foreign leader, the prime minister of Australia, to urge his cooperation with this investigation into the Russia probe's origins. So we know that people have been concerned about health care, about gun policy, about trade policy. Is there any other legislative agenda that, from your reporting at the White House, they're either pushing or they're planning to push that maybe is going to get derailed because Congress's attention is so focused on this? Well, the president has a legislative agenda, and he's hoping that Congress takes it up. You could look at the USMCA trade agreement. That's the uh, U.S.-Canada-Mexico trade agreement that he wants passed. And as we record this, Anthony, the president, uh, we're still waiting to see whether he's going to make a proposal on gun control. But he has also said that by pursuing impeachment, Democrats have essentially wiped out any hope of getting anything done. It's not clear to me that there's anything the president can do or say at this point to stop this impeachment snowball from rolling downhill. Uh, He's criticized the Democrats, calling the whole thing a hoax, a manufactured crisis. But with everything he says, everything that Democrats perceive as an indignation, their desire to move forward only grows. You had Republicans who said not only that they supported the president, but that what they understood to have happened was something typical. And I think going forward, one of the things I'll watch in the polls is whether that shifts, whether that idea shifts, because that's kind of a leading indicator on whether or not they think any of this then rises to the level, you know, that warrants that warrants punishment. So generally, there's a presumption of good faith amongst Republicans on the president's part. What about the idea that there are at least, what, a quarter of Republicans who now believe that, that, that an impeachment inquiry is a good thing to look into. Well, the that's true, but the the other part of that, Stephen, and thanks for for raising it, is that you had six and ten Republicans who said that upon hearing about the inquiry, their sort of first instinct was to want to defend the president, and I think that sort of puts a you know a, an almost you know an emotional component to the degree to which Republicans have supported this president. And I think that that sort of underpins a lot of the support that you're seeing not only from from the rank-and-file Republicans, but then also a lot of Republican members of Congress. And there has always been a smaller component of the Republican Party who like a lot of the president's policies, like a lot of what he does, but have been more reluctant to support things that are sort of, you know, components of his very different kind of presidency, whether it be the tweeting uh, or whether it be more of his unconventional approaches. And I think that's sort of echoed more in that number that says they'll wait and see before just jumping in to to defend him. One other point I'd make, and, and that is, you know, going back to this question about what else could possibly get done in the last several months of 2019, this issue of impeachment is consuming not just the Democrats, but also uh, the president. And uh, he's been consumed from the very beginning of his presidency by a drive to unearth 
elements in, as he puts it, the deep state uh, who he believes are out to get him. Democrats arguably have been going after this president since the moment he won. First, they suggested that Russia helped him win. Then they came up with a variety of reasons why he should be ousted from office. And I think in part, some of uh, the reason overlaps, Anthony, with your particular area of expertise that we've been talking about this half hour. The reality in the numbers that more people in this country voted for his opponent rather than him. Uh, And the idea that the people chose to be represented in this current Congress by a Democratic House to check the president, if not to impeach him. And as our poll shows and as other polls show, that sentiment appears to be growing in popularity. Yeah, though at least in terms of the midterms, it's certainly not historically unusual no matter who the president is, right? The president's party losing seats, a first-term president's party losing seats in a midterm, um, actually more more typical than, than unusual. So, but for that, uh, for now, let me um, let me say thank you, and uh, and try to get some uh, try to get some rest as you chase down all these all these names, numbers, and and all the intrigue. No rest for the newsman. Good luck with your next survey. <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Anthony. That is going to wrap this episode of Where Did You Get This Number? I am Anthony Salvanto, and thank you for listening. But, of course, this story will continue. We will dig into the numbers behind it as it moves on. We will be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, let me thank, as always, my terrific producer, Alan Pang, everybody here at CBS News Radio who helps make this possible. And please, if you like what you've heard, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a rating, and I'll see you here next episode. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.